Welcome to the podcast. My name is David. And before we save the world, I have a little explaining to do. It's been a while since we've had an episode, and what have I been doing? The answer to that is a lot. This idea of bringing mental health and social community education to the horror and science fiction community means a lot to me. So much so that I have formed a corporation that has applied for 501c3 nonprofit status. We're still waiting on the results of that, uh, which I expect it to go well. Uh, but Geek Wellness Education is the name of the organization. This podcast will save the world, will remain. Uh, as a part of Geek Wellness Education, starting in 2021, COVID permitting, we will be bringing this to horror conventions around the United States. Our first initiative is called Horror Heals, a tribute to Child's Play's John LaFia. John was the co-creator of Chucky and the uh, co-writer of Child's Play, the director of Child's Play 2. Uh, he tragically took his own life earlier this year. And we are going to pay tribute to him, honor his life and career. Uh, thankfully, I have uh, received the blessing of his family. And in addition, we'll be speaking with a psychologist who will educate us on how we can take some of the concepts from our favorite horror films, apply them to real life, and use that to help us cope with personal trauma. And of course, we'll have vendor tables as well with local mental health resources for anyone there who happens to need that assistance. So if you are involved in a horror convention or if you know of a horror convention that we should be in touch with, just contact us. You can reach us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at GWEContact, or you can send an email to geekwellnesseducation at gmail.com. And with that out of the way, let's save the world. And tonight, our subject is social media influencers. Coming up in just a bit, we have one of the most popular influencers on Instagram, Cassandra Clem. She's attracted a legion of what she calls heartmates who flock to her for beauty, fashion, and inspiration, mental health tips, and all of that great stuff. In fact, she's recently started the Zenith Wellness Retreat, and she's going to be telling us about all of that. Well, honestly, she's been acting a little bit weird lately. Uh, she may be here. She may not. Um, I promise that it's going to be worth your while. Just stick around, and I think Cassandra Klim will be here. We'll find out together. It'll be a surprise for all of us. But first, Die Influencers Die is about alpha male social media star Stu Harrington, who dupes a group of his peers into an overnight live streaming event at an abandoned movie studio in Las Vegas. Deep inside the old movie sets is the lair of a savage, bloodthirsty clown model, Moxie, who's directed to kill these intruders by a sinister otherworld coyote. It's a bloody 80s-style kill fest. And with me now to talk about it is the writer and director, Gary Arona. How are you, Gary? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Uh, this is 
the first movie that I've ever uh, set up an interview for without even seeing the film. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I have now, obviously, thanks to you. But I saw an ad on Facebook for it. So those ads do work. And uh, as soon as I saw it, I was like, okay, this is a movie I have to see. I am <laughs> all in on this movie. It's a little bit different from what we usually cover on this show, but that's cool. Variety is the spice of life. So first of all, congratulations on the film. This is your first horror film, I think, that uh, you've put out. It, it, uh, is. So, it is, yes. So congrats. There's, a, I guess, theoretically a million ways to get a bunch of jerks together and kill them. <laughs> um, why, in particular, influencers? Well, when uh, first of all, I have I have produced and directed uh, many, many, many shows over the last uh, two to three decades, uh, going all the way back to my shows with HBO Cinemax and a lot of B movies and whatnot. I was the original director of Bikini Car Wash Company back in the nineteen nineties. I'd never done a horror film, and obviously, the, one of the primary questions, one of the first things you have to answer for yourself is, well, who are we going to kill off? And for me, um, the influencers was sort of an instant reflex, if you will. And it was, uh, it was sort of stemming from this frustration that I think a lot of people have with respect to the, the difference between, let's say, an influencer and a celebrity, wherein a celebrity typically, usually, not always, but usually has some sort of earned reputation. Perhaps they were in film or music or radio or they're an artist or whatever it may be. And a lot of in this this new world that we live in, influencers are quite often not really. There's no pedigree to them. There's there's quite often it's just a, a pretty face or a you know or a handsome face and uh, uh, a few. Uh, uh, interesting videos that perhaps go viral, and all of a sudden, these these folks are launched into this status as an influencer. And I and and that's and and I think that this sort of having not um, earned your uh, your position sort of made them a natural target for me. And I'm and I'm also socially concerned about the whole situation, which of course you see at the very very end of the film, the very last scene. And I'm not going to spoil that, but it, that the, our social statement is actually. Uh, planted firmly at the very end of the film. So, so to kill off, you know, some sort of these uh, heinous influencers was a pretty easy choice. Now, now I want to preface, or I should go backwards. So we'll, we'll, I do want to say this, however, obviously there are influencers who are well-intentioned, who are very good, who have a natural talent and, and the internet has given them an opportunity and a stage and a soapbox by which to do their thing. And so more power to you. So I'm not speaking to those. Make your money. If you're making it, go for it. Congrats. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I think my issue is a little of who is investing in these people? <laughs> like, um, I, I can't imagine. I mean, there are like horror movie critics that I uh, appreciate and respect. And so if they say, hey, go see this movie, I'm going to be, I'm going to put it on my radar. But I can't imagine saying, well, there's a pretty girl holding a drink in some exotic location. Now I have to go, now I have to follow her and, and buy the product she's telling me to buy. Maybe, maybe I'm just not the target customer, which obviously I'm not. Well, well, I think something you said there is interesting, you know, therein lies part of the, the social problem, if you will. 
And uh, that is, is that I think young people, especially very, very young people, they don't know how to discriminate between uh, an, any influencers for that matter, be they valid, be they not quite so valid. And, and certainly the, there's different messages that infer, influencers and different genres convey. And I think that the danger here, though, is, is that some of these influencers are playing to an extremely uh, materialistic angle, which I think is is really in some cases polluting young people's minds. And I think it's a very dangerous situation for us to be in. And so, so again, thus, when I decided to do my first horror genre film, I thought, well, well there's your perfect target right there. Was there, because I mean, you have, well, there's the alpha male douche who is kind of the leader uh, yes. and in charge of uh, the scenario. I'm not going to give too much away. And you've got the the hot goth chick uh, and you have the extreme sports guy and the beauty blogger. Was there a particular one that you went, oh, I can't wait to kill this one? <laughs> Actually, I, uh, no, not really. Uh, obviously, there's a lot more genres than, in the influencer oh, world sure. than, than those that we chose, of course. I think that, no, nah, I, I can't really particularly... Uh, I, I don't know. I, I perhaps there were, there were some gruesome deaths. <laughs> there's uh there there's some gore in this, and uh, you know, a, as someone who watches highbrow horror, I can also appreciate some gore, and I know a lot of people do. So right, well, uh, they, well, well, my angle my angle with that was is I decided when I was to do this. First of all, we we didn't have a studio backing on this, so we basically you know paid for the film. We the entire budget it was it was our financing. And uh, so we weren't going to throw a million dollars at this thing. And the the thing that I thought was would be a lot of fun is I wanted it to feel a little bit like an '80s throwback film, like an old '80s slasher film. And and as part of that formula, of course, you got got to have your sexy ladies in the shower. That's sort of like a requisite uh, formulaic uh, component to those yep. films. You've you've got to have you know a lot, plenty of gore and blood, plenty of heavy metal music. We were really happy we were able to work with Brian Slagle of uh, Metal Blade Records to get some of his artists on board for the soundtrack. And so yes. and so yeah, and so it was it was we wanted to, I wanted to make sure that I had those key ingredients in the movie. And yes, it is gritty. Yes, it is savage. Yes, it is. But I think that these these inf some of these influencers really deserve this. And I think that we, we hit it on the head. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the moral we're trying to, to share here, uh, is that some of you, uh, uh, deserve some pretty, uh, pretty, pretty terrible deaths. Um, so, uh, which uh, there, there's some, there's some really great ones in this. So those of you who are into gore, uh, uh, do not miss this film. Um, now, did that surprise you? I'm curious to know what you what you, what you thought going into watching the film. Given the title of Die Influencers Die, I thought, okay, we're, we're not we're not messing around here. Uh, this is going to be, <laughs> and, and it, it's kind of exactly what I what I was hoping when I went in. Look, this isn't hereditary. Okay, um, you know, th this is this is a throwback to the 80s, you know, like you said, girls taking their shirts off, people getting just butchered uh, unmercifully, you know, this, this, this is the, a throwback to the 80s stuff, which I grew up on. And uh, every now and then we need that to cleanse the palate or filthy the palate, one of the two. Sure. Um, what were your, I know that uh, in another life when you were uh, uh, directing films 
previous to horror films, you had done some parodies of, and I'm not sure if you really want to get into that, but um, but you had done some parodies of Friday the 13th and Psycho and uh, Halloween. Um, are, is that what informs your horror fandom or where are you coming from as a horror fan? No, no, not really. And I wouldn't really actually qualify those as horror films. Obviously they were parodies and obviously. Sure. They were, yeah. 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 And obviously they were, they were adult oriented. And the, the thing is, is that I was approached, I had, I had been shoot, you know, producing and directing in the mainstream world for long before I ever did anything that was adult oriented. And I was approached with this idea for a, a company to produce and, you know, direct some of these shows that were parodies, you know, Friday the 13th parody, uh, Halloween, um, and there's a bunch of other ones. And, and, um, yeah, those really weren't, those didn't play into the equation at all, to be honest with you. I mean, what, what I really wanted to do here was, is, uh, venture into a gritty, the, the thing, the thing about me is, is let me, let me put it to you this way as a producer and a director, this is a kind of the way where my approach came to this is let's go, let's look at Westerns, for instance, to me, there's really two fundamental types or styles of westerns it's the hollywood the american western uh the the old john wayne films things of that sort and then you've got your spaghetti westerns that came out of italy that are uh the sergio leone so the you know once upon a time in the west uh, the, the good the bad and the ugly now that those westerns that came out of italy were very gritty very raw very sort of like baroque they're like the unpolished pearl right they were very real the characters were sweaty and they heck if you were on set you know they smell bad, you know, and, right. and the Hollywood ones oftentimes were very polished. You know, there wasn't a lot of sweat involved. They were really clean and sort of homogenized. Well, I come from loving the spaghetti Westerns. And so, and so when it came to the style and the tone and the makeup of what we did with uh, die influencers die, I wanted it to be gritty like that, as if we were making a making a horror film, but sort of in the vein of a, of a, of a spaghetti Western, if you will. Yeah, it definitely it, it had a it had that gritty feel to me that a lot of slashers, you know, especially if they're spending thirty million dollars making it or whatever, that they're not going to have. But for the people who love those uh, really just uh, filthy, <laughs> gr gritty, uh, gritty horror films with lots of gore, they're they're going to dig this. I think there are times in the movie. You know, you mentioned the uh, partnership with uh, Metal Blade, which love Metal Blade. Come on, awesome! Um, but um, where it almost felt a little uh, music, and I'm not using that as an insult at all. Where you use the music to kind of play a part in the scene, especially there's a part very early in the film where um, the music kind of blends into the scene, and it feels a little music video-y. Right. Um, so tell me. How did you get with uh, Metal Blade and say, hey, was it from Lizzie or was that an after effect? Well, uh, so so Brian Slagle is kind of legendary in the the metal world. So he's yes. the, so he's the founder and CEO of Metal Blade Records. Well, Brian's a very good friend of ours. So uh, very good friend. I mean, we've, we've spent a lot of time with Brian. He's in Vegas. We're in Vegas. You know, we hang out all the time. Um, one of his artists, is, of course, that is, joins us oftentimes when we're out and about is Lizzie, Lizzie Borden. And um, we just sort of casually pitched the idea to Lizzie. And Lizzie was just vibrant. He had, And I didn't know this about Lizzie, but he had never done... 
uh, a major role in any film and let alone a horror film. And that actually really surprised me. And it's a travesty. I'm not trying to interrupt. That is a travesty. He is, for those of us who grew up with 80s metal, like myself and grew up with Lizzie, he is a shock rock icon. I can't believe no one ever thought of putting him in a film before. And the fact that you did, again, instantly, I'm watching this movie because Lizzie <laughs> Borden is going to be the killer. Good, uh, but good. Not to interrupt, go back into what you're saying. So, um, so it was, you know, and Lizzie was just obviously really fantastic in this piece and he was a natural look, he's a performer on stage. He's very cinematic in his kill scenes that he does while performing on the stage. So it was really, you know, a, sort of a no brainer. I didn't, I didn't have him audition for the role. It was obvious. It was Lizzie Borden. Sure. Absolutely. Let's get him in the role. And, and, and as, and with respect to Brian, you know, from day one, he was like, yep, absolutely. You know, whatever you want, any of our, uh, any of our, uh, bands that are on the label that you want to use for the soundtrack they're in. And so it was, that's really how it, uh, it came about. And what happened was, is, is knowing this going in, once we got into post-production and into the editorial, uh, which I, I edited the film as well. And in the past I shot a bunch of music videos and so forth. So it was very, very easy. Once we had chosen the tracks, as you say, uh, I made sure that in those segments we turned it, they're not really like a music video, but they have a, a feel that's kind of in that vein. And sure. Yeah. And, and so I thought that was important because I think to just sort of randomly toss in a, a music track over a, a pre-cut visual that's not really timed to the music is, is really, uh, not, uh, serving the music that well. And, and I know that you mentioned early on and there's a particular scene that blended in perfectly. Well, there's a, there's a dramatic upbeat, uh, over this character as something pivotal and important to the uh, storyline uh, uh, is re revealed to the audience. And and we used, uh, oh God, which track was that? I can't remember if that was the Black Dahlia Murder or a Legion. I don't remember which, which of those tracks it was, but it was such a perfect track for that. So I made sure when we edited that scene that we, we timed it perfectly for that. So yes, it was absolutely integrated, you know, uh, into the, into the picture. Uh, now again, I, um, you know, not to belabor the point, but you know, Alice Cooper has had his horror films, you know, and I'm sure, you know, other shock rock at Rob Zombie directs, um, sure. You know, having Lizzie Borden finally get his due as as a villain, uh, as a you know a, a guy who grew up listening to you know give him the axe and you know uh, Master of Disguise and all that, that was that was amazing. What who created the uh, uh, the Otherworld Coyote character? Was that was that Lizzie going? I know what I want to do, or did you give him some coaching on where you wanted that character to be? Well, no, we, we had pre-scripted that. So that was, that character did exist. Uh, we didn't have, originally we didn't have necessarily Lizzie in mind for it, but I will say this though, and that is, is that when Lizzie showed up for his days of filming, there was very little direction on my part. I mean, he came really knowing exactly, well, he's an expert at this sort of thing, you know, despite sure. the fact that he had, that he hadn't been in front of the camera in, in this way before, certainly on stage he had. And so I think that it was just, it was, what I didn't want to do is I didn't want to, I didn't want to sort of force my directorial vision on him. I just wanted him to make it his, 
and he did. He did it perfectly. I mean, there was, there were few. I mean, he was in and out so quickly; it was ridiculous. It wasn't like we spent hours and hours and hours with him. I mean, he just had had nailed it so quickly that it was uh, it was like, yep, that's it, good to go. Another interesting thing for me is most slasher films they'll have the Jason, and Jason is you know the the top killer. No one is above Jason. No one's bossing Jason around. Moxie in this is the the Jason of the film, the psychotic killer that's, you know, tearing these people apart. Moxie's not the most powerful villain in the film uh, because obviously Moxie's getting power from the other world coyote. Is there a thought in your head of where this other world coyote is coming from or maybe where he's going in the future, a sequel, that sort of thing? Sure. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a grim reaper of sorts. I mean, we think about a grim reaper, you know, obviously a lot of folks have kind of the wrong impression in their mind. They think, oh, well, he's a killer. He's a bad guy. He's that. But what a grim reaper really is, is sort of a character that guides those who have died into the, the underworld or the upper world, whichever it may be. And in our case, I thought it'd be very, very interesting to have a character who's sort of controlling or let's say rather gives the the soon to be departed a choice. You know, someone who's been wronged and who's been murdered and is about to die. Give that the idea of giving uh, the the Moxie character a choice of look, you can you can go with me now, and I'm going to take you to the beautiful place, and you're going to visit your dead ancestors, and it's going to be a, a really great thing. Or you can hang around and seek revenge. You know, I think that was kind of an interesting idea, and so. That grim, that that otherworld coyote, and that's actually the reason why I I called the character an otherworld coyote. Because if you think about it, when you look at a lot of uh, of the ancient ones, uh, ancient knowledge, ancient belief systems, and whatnot, it's very very common uh, across cultures and across time for there to be this idea of of a kind of a duat. So the Egyptians might have called, or they did call it the duat. So you kind of go into the other world and, and when, when you're there, you're guided. And, and those who have done wrong, you know, bad things happen, things like annihilation. And when you've done really, really good, you can move on to the next stage and perhaps be reincarnated into a different, you know, a different lifetime or, you know, stay in the other world and hang out and have a good time, whatever that may be. So I think that this there's a mythical structure to this that I really wanted. And I think that the other world coyote speaks to that mythical structure. You know, he's that he's the, uh, the Anubis, if you will, of the, of the duot. And then if you go back to the Moxie character, she's really, and think about this for a second, she's Kali of the Hindu, uh, faith. She's, she's the, the destroyer. Now, when people think of Kali, they think of the annihilator, they think of these things. But what I think sometimes they forget is, is that Kali basically annihilates and obliterates those who have been harmful, those who have been savage, those who have been terrible human beings. And that's exactly what she becomes, you know, that cannibalistic, you know, ripping to shreds of the of the evil ones that's that's what yes. she becomes right so it's not just a fun kill gore fest you see people you thought this was going to be a a dumb episode and we're learning here. We're learning. You see, die influencers die is a lot deeper than what uh, some people may be giving it credit for. So, uh, wow, that's uh, 
That's really interesting. Um, well, well, I don't, I don't want to give away a lot of the symbology, but I will thank you, by the way, that was very kind of you. Uh, that I will say this, however, though, if you re, you know, we, we have a lot of people who've become super fans of the film right now and they're watching it over and over again. And that's rare for someone want to want to watch a movie over and over and over again. And I think I know why. And the reason is, is that, you know, I mean, I'm a student of, of, uh, Joseph Campbell and, um, the idea of the, the hero with a thousand faces. So you're building this sort of classically structured mythology into whatever your story is. And if you really watch die influencers die, and I would encourage folks to, you know, go to see it and then to watch it over and over again, you're going to find little symbology, little recurring motifs and whatnot that run the through the length of the film that are absolutely in line with these fundamental sort of Jungian archetypical uh, uh, structures, mythological structures. That just means I have to watch it again. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and again and again, and we're going to, and we're going to learn more and more and more about, uh, about these characters and, the world they inhabit. So this is, I think a lot of people are going to gravitate towards this. We very rarely get this type of movie these days where it's just balls to the wall slasher. Let's take some really big jerks that we're all going to hate, put them in a building and let's just waste them. Uh, not enough of that these days. And so I think a <laughs> lot of horror fans, especially the ones that grew up with, you know, metal and 80 slashers, uh, they're going to really like this. So let's, uh, let's look forward a few, a, a bit. Who are the next group of people you want to get into a room and kill? <laughs> influencers we we're done with. They're dead. They're gone. Okay. Right. Every influencer scared to get on the internet right now because right. of Moxie. So who's next? And please don't say podcast hosts. No, 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 no. You're, you're David, you're in, you're in good shape. You're, you're in great shape. <laughs> no worries. Uh, well, you know, how about, I don't know, how about TV evangelists? Uh, uh, you and I haven't I, known each other that long, but I think maybe you know me better than you think. <laughs> because well, uh, you're screaming my song right now. Well, I think here's the, here's the thing. I think, I think that, you know, we're in a really interesting time where, because, because we're so absorbed in, in social media pretty much 24 seven now, we have this interesting thing happening. And, and what that is, is, is I think that there's, there are a lot of these, uh, folks who have jumped up on their soapboxes and I, you know, I said the TV evangelists and whatnot, there's obviously there's a lot more. You could go into politics, oh, sure. you can go to a, a lot of different venues, but the, the, the problem is, is that I think that folks sort of are, are creating their own little bubble worlds, living within those worlds, and then assuming that that folks that are jumping up on the soapboxes are preaching the truth. And the reality is, is that, you know, I don't care who you are on this planet. And, and again, I know I'm going to go and now I'm going to wax a little philosophical here, but I don't care who you are on this planet. And I mean, everybody, not one person on this planet has figured it all out. Not a chance, not even close. And so I think that it's these, you talk about influencers, you talk about TV evangelists, you know, some politicians, whatever. There's, there's plenty of folks out there who get up and, and, and preach that they have found the way and they know the way and so forth. And the reality is, is it's basically a lot of bullshit. They're just as confused as anybody else is. And so I think that if we're hunting for targets and victims for horror films, well, there's a lot of them out there. 
Just to be clear, I like the fact that the guy who spends years telling me I'm going to burn in hell uh, turns out to be cucking his wife out uh, <laughs> and getting kicked out of uh, Liberty University, okay? Uh, you know, there's a, there's a little bit it. of a satisfaction there of, oh, maybe you don't have it uh, all figured out either. Well, nobody does. Nobody does. And, you know, some folks might, fi- might find a morsel of enlightenment, a morsel. And, and, and I'm not discounting that. And I know that that's true. I know that there's some people out there who are brilliant, who come up, who literally transcend and, and grow and, and are, have great, great ideas and great wisdom. You know, the Alan Wattses of the world, you know, the Terrence McKenna's, the Joseph Campbell's and, you know, and it can go on and on and on. Um, there are these people that find enlightenment, but to, but to, but even like, if you look at guys like Alan Watts, Alan Watts used to say, he said, look, he said, you know, we're here for a purpose. There's a reason. And we all have to have our vices and everybody's gonna have at least one strong vice. And, it's it's true. It's totally true. So you know, it's it's uh, we're 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 in a very in, in these things are now so in our face through the social media that that again, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with the influencers, it was such an easy target because uh, because of that. Because it was like you know, you've got these people who literally have who are twenty five years old who have n- no life experience. I'm sorry, man. I don't care how brilliantly, how incredible your DNA is. When you're 25 years old, there is no way you understand what life is. And yet you, 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 these influencers so often are just, you know, you know, preaching and, and telling people what to do in the right way and the wrong way. This is good. That's this, that's bad, you know, and so forth. And so I think it's just horror, horror, horror movies, through history have had, have contained within them small morsels of, of social statements. And I think that when you look at the ones that were really, really, really powerful, that is the case. And so again, even though I knew we were going to do a little teeny film and we had a little teeny budget and, uh, we shot it all in Las Vegas, all locally, all, all with our own resources. I thought, you know, I'm going to make sure that we have a little bit of a statement tossed in there. And, and that statement is, the biggest villain are the influencers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know that. They're the, I know, I know. Maybe, maybe not that. And I mean, just like you said, I, I think that you know, I think it's great when people have inspirational things to say. You know, even if they're half baked, and you know, uh, I, I certainly, I'm no doctor of anything. Uh, so I think that if 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 somebody can put something on the internet and people find some kind of joy or enlightenment out of it. That's wonderful. But uh, let's put them in their place. And that's what this movie does <laughs> in a big right. way. I- I'm so glad that uh, you shared this movie with me and that you have it out. And I'm really glad that we got to uh, uh, really expose people to the inner workings of the mind of Gary Arona. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> this movie's, a, this movie's a lot deeper than what you might think. Oh, it's a grind movie. Yeah. The blood and guts and boobs. Yeah. And a lot more now that you've listened to this. Uh, so thank you again. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Seriously. Die Influencers Die is available now on Apple TV, iTunes, Google Play, Vimeo On Demand, and more. So go watch it. Okay, a lot of people may think that I don't like social media influencers, but I'm actually a big fan of one in particular, and that is Cassandra Klim. 
and she is one of the most popular influencers on Instagram. She is beautiful, she is inspirational, and she's complete fiction. <laughs> she is the creation of three incredibly talented people uh, that I am so happy to meet today. Uh, first of all, director Anna Miles. Hello, that was an incredible intro. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you. Well, okay. I'm practicing. I'm getting better at this. <laughs> Good. Uh, writer extraordinaire, Chloe Cole. Hi. Yeah, that was, that intro was, um, how do we follow that, basically? <laughs> uh, well, we're going to follow it by talking about an amazing concept that you guys are pulling off. And I, and I know I've talked to Anna about this and I've gushed and gushed, but whoo boy, I love this idea. It's amazing. One more person to introduce, and this is a woman who is so beautiful, so fashion forward, many people actually confuse her with Cassandra Clem, uh, which Sabina Friedman seats. How you doing? Hello. Thank you for the intro. Hi, David. I mean, I'm going to be here. You're like twins, I swear. Um, it's crazy. We occasionally, people say we resemble each other. Um, so first of all, let's talk about influencers in general. I want to get into Cassandra, but influencers in general, these are, these are people with millions of followers on Instagram or what have you, but are they really influencing anybody or is it just a bunch of thirsty guys? What have you found out about these influencers? Who are they? Are they influential? Who's following them? Why are they following them? Hmm. Hmm. Well, I mean, I, unfortunately I do follow some influencers. <laughs> Am I like genuinely influenced by them? I'm not sure. But yeah, I mean, I definitely follow some influencers. And I think it's interesting to ask, like, who are they influencing? Is it people who are just like, interested in them sexually? Or is it people who like, genuinely want to model their life after them? And I think it's a mixed mixture of both. And that's actually, I think what we're kind of trying to get at in our project is like, how do you engage an audience? do you rely on, um, you know, like what are the tools that women have to engage and to engage an audience? And I think, uh, you know, one that you touched on, that's kind of like the most surface level and sort of obvious is like, obviously like sexual appeal. And then beyond that, I think we started noticing that there was a lot of, um, language about like vulnerability and kind of talking about mental health, but in this very like cliche and neat way. Um, and so that is sort of another way that that's sort of what we were going through with influencers or like, how are influencers using talking about their own vulnerability and their own like mental health, I'm putting in quotes, mental health struggles to, um, appeal to people and to influence them. I think the other thing too, is our sort of examination of influencers became sort of heightened and changed uh, once, you know, this pandemic began because it, it sort of put a lot of these influencers in this position of their performance and their brand is putting on this image of perfection of look at how amazing my life is. You could have this life too. But what do those influencers do when they're faced with this like unprecedented sort of global tragedy when people can't, they're confronted really with like the imbalances between what they have access to and what, you know, their followers might have access to. And it was interesting to see some of these influencers go in either direction, either just kind of ignore it and keep 
you know, living their perfect lives or sort of putting on this performance of like their own vulnerability and their own struggle and how both of those sort of felt equally um, artificial in some ways. Right. Because I think that as you, you both were sort of saying, as Anna and Chloe were both sort of saying that I think that a large portion of these kind of influencers um, that were modeling Cassandra after basically a large portion of the followers, other than just, you know, thirsty men are people who, you know, find their accounts aspirational in whatever way. It's like a, you know, lifestyle mood board sort of. Um, and the question I think, you know, is whether looking at a very, very curated lifestyle mood board of an actual person all day like that makes you feel better or worse about yourself. (laughs) And so in trying to remedy that, exactly what you both were saying, you know, these influencers will try to make themselves relatable, but that can ring even more false than, um, I mean, you can go both ways because obviously, you know, some influencers during the pandemic, you know, having like, like renting a private island and paying for a hundred of their friends to be tested is not, is going to be met with a lot of vitriol, but, and I find that very problematic, but it's also, it also, you know, there's, there's a falseness about it when influencers who clearly have so much more privilege in so many ways than the people that are following them talk about the ways in which they're exactly the same and they're struggling the exact same ways when we're living in a time when so many people are, you know, being thrust into poverty and hurting because of the pandemic. Um, yeah. You know, when I first started researching this to do it, I thought, oh, surely there's a ton of books out there that are blasting these people. Um, and there, what I found instead was there's, there's a lot of books that tell you how to become one. Mm. And um, and I inst- I was like, I, I don't want to talk about that. I don't, I, I'm not an influencer. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm still wearing, you know, Motley Crue t-shirts and jeans. Uh, nobody's influencing me uh, in That's 2020. A so- That's a brand. <laughs> Okay. Damn right it is. Okay. Don't underestimate. But what I kept hearing, and um, as you said, a lot of the 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 number one tip was that you have to create authenticity. You have to mm-hmm. fake fake your life in a way that looks <laughs> real. Yeah. And that totally. completely baffles me. I don't know. I don't know how I would begin to do that. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how do you, how, how does, well, someone like Cassandra, uh, fake like they're, uh, perfect during a pandemic. Right. Well, actually, uh, spoiler alert. She doesn't do it very well. Yeah. It's, it's such an interesting question. Cause I do feel like that is a phrase that authenticity is a phrase that is almost like empty now because it's been overused so much and you're like, what does that even mean ultimately? Um, and, um, I think, I think a lot of it is, is like relatability. Like you have to seem at some point relatable. You have to keep this like very, very precious balance of relatability and, um, aspirational. And that is like Mm -hmm. what I think authenticity is, is it's like, oh, you're special and you're kind of not like other people, but you're also just you're just like one of the girls, like you're just like (laughs) one of your followers. And so that is, um, uh, a delicate balance. So when we, so when it came to creating that with Cassandra, like we wanted to really play with that idea is this is, we wanted to make it clear. Like we wanted the captions 
to have a strained quality of that, like that she's really trying to seem authentic and to be vulnerable and to talk about her shrug, her quote unquote struggles. But then we wanted to make the pictures at first be, you know, very, as we were saying, like curated and perfect, like most influencers. And then as you were kind of pointing out that she doesn't always do perfection well, we wanted them to start getting more and more upsetting and weird and kind of like a little, you know, a little bit off to, you know, the blood pouring out of her mouth. So, you know, like really made people go like, whoa, what, what is haven't. happening here? Yeah. Who among us hasn't bled out of their mouth? Okay. Just, that's you know, so relatable. in a field. But I think going back to authenticity and like, because yeah, I would imagine that the sort of, you know, advice you give to a wannabe influencer is to like find your, your true self, your brand, what makes you unique and then be authentic to that. But the, the inherent contradiction is that simultaneously influencers are all also trying to maintain this, you know, universal appeal. And so they will often shy away from being political, for example, or making any comments that might incense half of their followers or some of their followers. And so it ends up, you know, being very, it's kind of like a very weak brand of a human being sometimes because mm. it's been you know, mm. it's devoid of actual opinion. <laughs> yeah. From a human actual, right. like, there's no, like, right. point of view there. Exactly. No exactly. real point of view. Right. Yeah, right. and I mean, the thing about, uh, like, authenticity, all these buzzwords get thrown around, like, authenticity, authenticity, relatability, and um, I've, we have never read any of these books on how to be an influencer, but I would be curious to read them. What we did do oh. is obsessively... <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, yeah, you're right. You're probably we right. We should write one. But is like how we I should write one. Wait, that's such a good idea. Let's get a book deal. Um, let's just, you know, pull one out like you do with book deals. Um, I, but, I, I would read Cassandra's book. Uh, right? That, that, that would happen. She says, thank well, you. There you go. <laughs> Ew. It, oh my it, God. Is she, is she here with us now? <laughs> She's yeah, always she here with cares. us. She's always here with us. She's always here. But no, I mean, what we did do is we did obsessively and sort of to a crazy making point, we compiled a Google Doc of like inspiration images and inspiration accounts. And we like dissected these actual posts from actual influencers um, to turn these sort of like nebulous buzzword concepts into a like a replicable formula. And I think like the most simple, basic common formula that we found that like has this, that is this sort of disconnect between authenticity and perfection is that what often happens is these influencers will post this picture of them looking like insanely beautiful, like fitting be uh, society's beauty standards to a T, wearing a bikini, some sort of like hypersexualized image with a caption being like, today was a really hard day for me. I'm really struggling. And it's like, what are you talking about? This is so weird. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we tried specifically to replicate a lot of the times with Cassandra is, you know, these pictures of like these very posed, uh, curated pictures with a caption talking about how... <laughs> how hard of a time she's having. Right. right, right. Wait, can I ask you a question, David? How did you find um, Cassandra? Or should I say, how did Cassandra find you? Oh, um, Well, there I was asleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody's recording in my room. Yeah. Um, the, uh, no, I, uh, you know, this is a subject that I've always kind of wanted to touch on. And um, I had done the uh, the in the interview with uh, Gary Arona from Die uh, Influencers Die 
which is a pretty bloody movie, I might add. And um, so I, I actively was looking for, is there anything telling, like spilling the tea about these people? Um, and so all the books were, you know, like I said, how to become an influencer and how you can get 2 million followers in uh, in 30 days. And I just... I don't, you know, if somebody wants to know about a horror movie, I'll be happy to tell them, but look, don't get your life advice from me. Um, <laughs> I, and I mean that sincerely. I, I, I did a Google search of, it might've even been something like spilling the tea on influencers, something along those lines. <laughs> and, um, an article on, on, uh, Cassandra popped up and I, I, I read it and I was like, wow, it might've been the AV club. And I was like, this is first of all, brilliant. Uh, I I love, and we're going to get into a lot of that uh, in, uh, in a bit. But I I love so much of like the the concept and how you're doing it and bringing mental health into it like really good. Like you know, like you mentioned, and I want to say, nobody here is saying that we shouldn't talk about mental illness. No, uh, yeah, right. nobody here is saying that we shouldn't. But when, you know, when we're, you know, cause we want to break the stigma and the bigotry against, uh, you know, mental illness and all that stuff. But what you're commenting on is it is treated on a very surface level. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, it, and I hate to say this, it almost feels like a trend of mm -hmm. I, I'm dealing yeah. with mental health too. Uh, yeah. the, these kind of influencer mental health posts, they seem like a replacement for therapy. Mm -hmm. And whereas they're not actual therapy, it's nothing. Believe in yourself, put your faith in God, you, you, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, you didn't help me with nothing. I went to therapy and I learned, you know, behavioral activation therapy and stuff like that. And it helped, but I, I can't see where a meme is going to help me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, rescue yeah. me here. What, what is this? What is this madness? Yeah. I mean, I think we, you know, you obviously bring up a good point of that. No one here is saying that we shouldn't talk about mental health. And of course that's true. Cause the thing that we're sort of commenting on and, and, and exploring is basically the explicit exploitation of mental health and the commodification of mental health, um, which you know, for me as someone with my own mental health struggles as well, it feels I sort of, I think what you're getting at David is it feels like it cheapens my actual experience when I see mental health, um, you know, oversimplified into, you know, believe in yourself, be positive into these, just like memes, into these pretty statements, into these pretty pictures that, like you said, maybe seem on the surface, like they're saying something important, but they're actually saying nothing at all. Um, yeah. so, and are, and are not you know, a replacement for actual treatment, like as you were saying, yeah. not at all. In I mean, no they're way. just, they're, yeah. they're pure emptiness and, um, it's, it's help to the point of, I think it, it can be harmful when, um, people who, you know, maybe do need real help, um, turn to these places that potentially turn to these places that aren't really going to give much help at all. And, yeah. um, yeah. And, you know, people who these influencers who are not equipped in any way to be dealing with anyone's mental health issues, sort of presenting themselves as these authority figures, I think it sort of can be in, like inherently dangerous. And and not only, I think, it, almost like presenting themselves as authority figures in terms of treatment, but also in some ways presenting themselves as like, and I have beaten this and I've overcome it. And now I'm 
my mental mm-hmm. health is yeah. in a good place, which I think is sort of not an accurate portrayal of how mental health really works. It's not like, oh, I had this little struggle and now I'm done with it. And I did my work. I said my affirmations and I'm good now. It's like, you know, it's a lifelong journey. Um, and it's very, um, personal and, you know, an individual. And, um, so yeah, I think we both wanted to, to like say they're not, it's not replacement for actual treatment and also be skeptical of people who are, um, who are claiming to be fully realized and, or like claiming to sell healing or to be fully healed, be skeptical of that. And so I feel like by what we try to do is turn up the volume on those, as you were saying, kind of like affirmation memes, um, turn up the volume until it was like absurd and kind of like frightening, um, to maybe make people look more skeptically at, um, the memes that they're presented with. I really like the word memes because I don't think, I don't think we use it. We apply it very much to, um, a lot of like, ask, you know, these influencers, but yeah, a lot of it is kind of just meme <laughs> And I think that to that point, like, I think also what we're exploring is very connected to the premise of the quote wellness industry Mm -hmm. and and like the wellness, you know, like, like whatever that means, whatever that like sort of anemic, like (laughs) umbrella term for making people feel like decisions in their life that they're making are dirty (laughs) or unclean in some way. And that, I mean, of course it all comes down to consumerism and Mm -hmm. to commodification. And so commodifying a solution for something that you're, you know, encouraging. (laughs) That was never really a problem. Yeah. Right. (laughs) A fake invented problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I agree, and 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 my nonprofit has well has wellness in the name. So, uh, and I actually agree with you. Well, uh, no, but that's but but there is there is such a thing as true wellness, and there's such a thing as true. Um, I mean, there are there are tools, and there are professionals who help with people being well in the sense of being cured or healed or taken care of in real tangible ways. We're talking about you know telling somebody that if they drink mushroom lemon tea for a week instead of consuming foods that are dirty that they will be clean and pure and that there's some wait a minute i actually i actually do i have heard that if you don't go to a therapist but drink tea yes you will get the same result that is is not true true? well i guess that's what i've been doing wrong yeah 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 (laughs) The, best, yeah. like, the absolute best thing you can do for your mental health is to drink tea in your therapist's to, office. For only, know, yes. oh, maybe that's true. I've <laughs> only started therapy since the pandemic started. So I've never been in a therapist's office. I've only been on a teleconference with my therapist. But, um, <laughs> then, so you're not going to get the same effect. The tea, the tea must yeah, be true, the tea has in to be therapist's in the literal office. office. Yeah. yeah. Um, but no, and there is sort of like this superior enlightened attitude about it. And that's where like the purity language is so problematic in a way, because obviously it's also so steeped in privilege and wealth. And, and we, yeah, no kidding. And so we're thinking that, that this can do real damage to people. Watching a perfect person that they can never be like because they don't wake up with, you know, whatever light diffusers and, you know, makeup on and all that kind of stuff. Um, so this is more than doing nothing. You think it may be doing damage. 
Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that's the thing is I think sometimes these things can, um, you know, influencer culture can be sort of shrugged off as frivolous and harmless. And, you know, I, I certainly don't think that, uh, these influencers are the most harmful thing in the world. But, um, you know, I I think in particular, like, you know, something that I think a lot about is, um, you know, my sort of biggest personal mental health struggle over the years has been struggling with an eating disorder and various forms of eating disorders and being in treatment for that. And I think, um, I, I think that that in particular these sort of influencers and the ways in which we see these sort of very perfectly curated um, images on Instagram can really have a damaging effect on anyone who is maybe already struggling with body image, who is already comparing themselves to other people. And then there's also that, I mean, we sort of played with that disingenuousness too of um, in Cassandra, when we sort of posted that picture of, you know, Cassandra looking amazing in a, in a um, lingerie and saying, I struggle with body dysmorphia, which it's like, 100% everyone can struggle from body dysmorphia, but it's really frustrating (laughs) to see some of these real, some of these influencers who post these like incredible, you know, pictures of them where they look exactly like what every woman is told they're supposed to look like. And they talk about, you know, how, how they want to raise awareness for body dysmorphia and eating disorders. And it feels, again, it just feels like it kind of cheapens it, it's not acknowledging, they're not acknowledging their privilege in any way. In that instance, they're not acknowledging their thin privilege. And then in other ways, they're not acknowledging their, you know, financial privilege. They're often not acknowledging their white privilege in their ability to have what they have. And it inherently makes people feel like they can't live up because they can't. And I think I think it really does have and can have, especially for younger people, real damaging mental health repercussions. Thank you. Um, so, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, the uh, well, I mean, it just it, it kind of drives me nuts. Uh, that exact thing, and that's one of that's one of the posts that that really kind of hit with me. Of, um, and not to say that a supermodel or some great uh, Hollywood actress or whatever can't have those issues, uh, yeah, uh, because of course they do. You know, we all because do. they do. <laughs> yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, the presentation of it as a marketing tool, I think, is what kind of hits me with a sour note. Another thing about Cassandra that I find kind of, uh, well, really interesting is the way you guys are, or ladies, are presenting it is kind of like the next step in merging social media with fiction. Mm -hmm. There's been, uh, there's been a couple of little moments here and there, um, in my experience, I mean, like for instance, uh, the Ten Cloverfield Lane had mm-hmm. a marketing gimmick where uh, they had a website, and you, hey, look at that, and you look at that, and you, and people dug into it, and eventually they found a real box of clues that was actually buried out in the middle of nowhere, and it was kind of just to get people excited about the mystery of the film. So there's been that sort of thing, but this is taking it to another level. Of this isn't promoting a movie. This is a real human being, and she's an influencer, and look how great but maybe not so great her life is so so to me this kind of i don't have you you guys i guess have heard of uh quibi yes okay uh a a, a billion dollars was sunk into quibi at least (laughs) a billion dollars was because if we can get people to go to quibi and watch these short little clips then we could be a success 
and it bombed and it's out of business and it's gone. And what you seem to be saying is, no, they're already on social media. We don't need for them to go to Quibi. Mm -hmm. Let's hit them where they're already at. So where did that come from? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for recognizing that we're much smarter than the people who made Quibi. (laughs) 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 We appreciate the credit. Um, You know what? Uh, (laughs) If I had a billion dollars, I would give it to you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you. You'd probably do what... You do better with it, I'm sure. Thank you. If you ever get down <laughs> to a billion dollars, like we are definitely open to that. <laughs> just receiving a billion dollars to make stuff. Um, what a coincidence. Yeah. Well, so I'm tr- I'm trying to think of why, do you want to hear like the origin story, like how we came up with the idea or just sort of why we thought about Instagram or? Uh, um, yeah. I mean, uh, like where it came from of, you know, like I said, let's, let's give the people the entertainment on the actual site. So yeah, I mean, yeah. How, how, how the idea sprung. Yeah. So basically, um, I feel like I was spending a lot of time on Instagram most of the summer, you know, during the pandemic, as we sort of uh, said, it's not great for my mental health, or anyone's mental health, really. But so I, I basically was like, you know, what if, if I, if someone told a story over Instagram, because people are already on there. So what if I use everything I know about Instagram, which I've gained through, countless wasted hours of looking at it without gaining anything and, you know, probably depleting my (laughs) my mental and emotional health. Um, what if I tried to use that in like a creative way? And so then I started thinking about, okay, what if I told a story over it? And then I went to Sabina and Anna about it because Anna, um, has done a lot of experimental and collaborative theater. And also she really knows how to use Instagram. So I went to her and I knew she would like, she's on board for experimental storytelling. And I went to Sabina because I know Sabina is an incredibly brave actress. And basically a huge thing in our friendship is I feel like I'm always like, Sabina, you can play unhinged so well. And I don't feel like people <laughs> understand it. <laughs> you you are- be honest, that, that doesn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> no, I, guess, I definitely have like, I definitely, a lot of my, like our lunches together, I've just been like, and me like screaming at Sabina, nobody understands you. Like I do. (laughs) Um, You're weirder than people. Yes, yes. exactly. That is what. Yeah. So basically I went to both of them and was like, what if we use Instagram to tell a story and we just created this fake influencer. And really that was the seed of the idea. And then the three of us meeting, we just started building, building, building and talking about it. But definitely like Instagram, like using Instagram as a storytelling tool was the seed because of exactly what you're saying. Like people are on there. People are hungry for content. They're scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. They're looking for meaning. (laughs) They're looking for something to grab their attention. So it's like, why not, why not meet people where they're at? They're not going, you know, I, I think you're pointing out like with making an app that to watch TV shows on their phone. It's like, you don't have to go that step. People are already begging for stories on this app. I think that the, one of the reasons that Anna and I both responded so strongly to the idea, not only, I mean, in terms of the content, was I so excited by it, but also Anna and I are both in the theater world <laughs> and, and we'll just, you know, we, no, I know we, I'm laughing as I theater, know yeah, as theater and film artists, we've seen people, you know, try to figure out how to tell stories during this time. And it's really difficult for everybody in our career. And there have definitely been a lot of situations where it's worked, but oftentimes it feels like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole in terms of utilizing a platform that wasn't made for 
the story the way it's written. And so with this, it was not only were we finding a new platform on which to tell a story, but we were utilizing the platform and all of the ways in which it's consumed and the ways in which it's released and the context of it. And I mean, ultimately, obviously, it's also performance art, basically, because it kind of exists out in its own world, just playing along alongside real influencer and Instagram accounts. But that felt like a really exciting, exciting endeavor during this time. Yeah, Sabina, you're totally right that that's what I was going to say, because we all know. I just, I for yeah. a lot of our meetings, I've just, and that's kind of why Chloe asked me to be part of it, because we were just on like a Zoom call talking, you know, being friends. And I was going on some, like a, some really long rant about how frustrated I was seeing theater artists just try and like copy and paste theater productions like onto Zoom and how uh, it just, it just all felt. I mean, it just all felt kind of like a train wreck. And like my biggest value as an artist is that whatever the form you're using to tell the story, it should be part of the story as well. So that's exactly what we did here. The fact that it was on Instagram was part of the story itself. The story could not have been told mm. um, as effectively on any other medium. And I think there's also a degree of accessibility there. I mean, kind of like the same with Quibi, like it's a it's a subscription service. Instagram is free. It's not there's no barriers there. People can access it without you know needing to pay for things or have any kind of gatekeeping. And it also was accessible for us because we're, you know, we mm-hmm. we've made all of this with a budget of zero dollars <laughs> and um or like not a negative billion? dollars. Yeah. Not, not a billion dollars. Imagine okay. what we could do with a billion. It would be amazing. Um, but you know, it, it's just it's something that Everyone we would has access start to that wellness retreat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, oh boy. you say that as a joke. <laughs> Don't get Anna started. I, I think you're joking, <laughs> but I 100 percent would do that. <laughs> yeah, uh, count That's me in. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so uh, well, first of all, the main thing I learned from that little bit was that um, you and Sabina were going to say the same thing, and from what I've gathered, Sabina is. Um, uh, strange. So you, yeah, that's uh, okay. Let's get, let's make one thing clear. We're all very strange. Yes. Okay. We're all equally okay. and deeply strange. I just I just meant that I knew Sabina could <laughs> act strange. Oh, like, okay. Yes. Uh, yes, of course. Of course. Right. Um, so speaking of the, uh, of doing it on Instagram, it couldn't have been done anywhere else, uh, in the same way. What role does do the commenters play? Uh, I saw a couple of them and I think I mentioned one of them to you, Anna, Mm -hmm. the one where you're talking about mental health or I'm sorry, uh, Cassandra is, I'm sorry. Um, Cassandra is talking about mental health and someone comments underneath it. You have the same brand as us. Let's, let's get our necklace on you to model Mm -hmm. for mental health. And I thought, God, please don't let this be real. Uh, oh, no. Please, please let this be fake. For you. <laughs> that one was in fact real. That is the one yep, that was very, very real. Very real. Um, yeah, that that's painful. <laughs> um, and there's one that I, one, there's one I'm sure is a joke where um, 
somebody says something about, uh, hey, I know you're in the middle of a mental breakdown, but where'd you get that shirt? Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> that was that was great. Um, so, but uh, in general, um, of the of the followers that you have, some of them know what's going on, some of them don't. Do they play a role in kind of influencing where you're heading with, do I want to go a little bit nuts on the next one or do, or what kind of uh, breadcrumbs are you throwing at them? In terms of everything we released a few months ago, all of the stories and the posts were content that was decided on before it was released as kind of, you know, a plan and a trajectory that was predetermined. That being said, the commentary was sort of, we sort of talked about it as like, and it ended up being even more extreme than we could have anticipated, but there were kind of two stages of the show. There was like, in the sense of like a theater stage, there was the stage of the posts and the stories, what Cassandra was performing, what she was presenting herself on her own. And then there was the stage that was the immersive theater piece stage that was the comments. And we obviously, you know, could not have anticipated what a lot of the commenters were going to say. Yes, many of them were friends of ours who knew that it was a performance piece and who were playing along like audience members in an immersive theater piece who are, you know, consenting to the experience and fully aware that it is a performance and deciding to engage with it as another kind of performer. Um, and so that was happening. And then there were some people who seemed to think that it was real. And we never like the, the intention was never of this project was never to like trick people. That wasn't what we were going into it with. You know, we let the AV club do a write up on us during the run of that, that particular part of Cassandra. Um, it was just to create this immersive theater experience on Instagram. And yeah, it's funny and it's funny and interesting and definitely um, a further reflection of our critique when we see people actually engage with it as a real thing. And it's definitely become part of it, but we're not trying to trick people. So it was really fun to have friends comment as well and kind of perform and play their own follower um, types because the followers ended up kind of becoming, you know, Fan favorite characters. A big part of the story too. They and did. so, yeah. So, and we, I mean, one of you, one of you can talk about, you know, our relationship to the comments and kind of how we, you know, yeah. how we handle that and had fun with it I also. I love the quotes. Oh, oh yeah. When she I love that you just answered in quotes. There's no, I yeah, have no thoughts so, of my own. I'm just, right. you know, mm-hmm. just copying and pasting. Yeah. And so it, yeah, that's an, that's an example of how we did sort of end up adapting. We, cause here's the thing. We theoretically, planned this as an interactive experience, but we never actually practically planned for what would happen if people commented. (laughs) So the whole time we were releasing all this content, we suddenly were getting all these comments and truly it would be like every single response to each comment we would make as Cassandra, we would like workshop within text, like for like at least like 10 minutes for like each response. With each Um, other. Yeah. With each other. Yeah, the three of us. And um, so it it ended up being this, we ended up being like glued to our phones and putting in so much more work during the process than we ever thought we would. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, our relationship was interesting to the commenters and and also a lot of people were, were DMing us as well, or DMing Cassandra rather. And we weren't expecting people to be sort of so demanding of answers uh, like storytelling answers, you know, the biggest thing we always got was just people would like repeatedly send us things that were like, how can I help you? Where are you? Like wanting these like literal answers to like how to help. I think they really wanted it to be more of a game and more of a, a, an experience that they could influence rather than just, this is a story for you to sort of parse together. 
um, we really sort of hoped and anticipated that more people would be like coming up with like conspiracy theories, which of course did happen as well. Um, but it was interesting how many, how many people really like wanted Cassandra to like hand them on a platter, like exactly what she was trying to say. And you mean conspiracy theories as in, I think this is going to happen next in the story yeah, or like fans, actual yeah. Con- kind of fan or, okay. theories yeah. or like she's been abducted. Yeah. You know, or like, like what different, happened because Cassandra. it is unclear at different points what's happening to her. It's clear that, you know, something stuff is going on. Yeah. And it's there's some <laughs> something maybe nefarious in nature. Um, but we, you know, we didn't explain exactly what the situation was. So then, David, on that note, do you have any fan theories of what <laughs> yeah. happened to Cassandra? Yeah, what's going on with her? Uh, well, I think she uh, went out to the field and danced <laughs> her way into my dreams. And, uh, <laughs> and I am uh, cashing in the uh, 401k uh, so I can uh, buy a spot on the island. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I am I'm full in on, on, on taking this ride uh, that you guys – I loved – the video you put up the other day announcing the Zenith Wellness Retreat. I, I that was amazing. Um, I can. I should give credit to my uh, boyfriend, who is a cinematographer, who we are very lucky that I am with during the pandemic. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> mm-hmm. totally. He definitely so. helps a lot with making yes, sure the shots yes. are wonderful and yeah. exactly what we want. Yeah. Yeah, uh, props to him for risking his life during the pandemic. Um, <laughs> the, uh, but no, to me that was just, and when when it's over, you think, well, everybody's going to know this is complete BS because I mean it's literally, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but I can't be stopped. I'll tear right through you. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. You're thinking everybody's going to catch on that this is, but how many people actually? stay for the entire video how many how many people comment on news stories after reading the headline um mm. you know or share fake news stories that are obviously fake because the headline appealed appealed to them um so uh that to me the idea of her now launching into a a, a jim jones level of psychosis mm. count me in uh <laughs> i want to go uh, Rockadile Red Kool Aid. Let's do this. Um, uh, but th- th- that it kind of brings up something. The only thing I've ever seen, even remotely like this, is in the cons- conspiracy world. Of, I mean, I don't know, QAnon uh, or whatever. The you know whether it's the nine eleven truthers or the uh, <laughs> the lizard people control the world type type folks, mm-hmm. um, and. Every I've seen a couple of like websites pop up and it's a mystery and they start to solve it and they become convinced, oh no, there are actual children in danger and we have to solve these clues because this is someone from the Illuminati who's giving us clues and we have to solve it to save these children's lives. And so are you playing a little bit on that of, of like, because, you know, I do see where someone would go, I can help save someone's life. I can play a, a, an important role in rescuing this poor, uh, beautiful, rich, fa- you know, fashionable lady, but I, I, I can play a role in saving her. Yeah, we, 100%. Definitely, yeah one, we definitely wanted to engage with this idea of, um, you know, internet 
like theories, like how they kind of blossom and grow and kind of grow out of control. And I think, I think it comes from exactly what you said, like a website appears, right? Like there's only a little bit of information released online and people are willing to ascribe so much meaning and so much like intrigue to it and so much significance. And I think it's both, um, I think it's because when we, you know, people are looking for something that will make them, that will make their lives feel meaningful. Like, oh, I've discovered the secret, but also kind of make them feel special. And that's the thing that's so interesting with, with influencers too, is that influencers, as we said, had to be relatable and stuff like that. It's because people need to feel like they are somehow like have a special relationship with, with the influencer, that they understand the influencer. They feel like they're actually really friends with this person. And I think that, um, that instinct is why, um, there there is like these fan theories too, is people are sort of like, oh, well, like, I, I feel like I know the real story behind this influence, or I know the real story behind Cassandra. She's actually in danger is what's happening. And I, I can, and I have to, um, I have to figure it out and I have to solve it. And that's something we definitely wanted to engage. Um, so yeah, people were DMing us asking where Cassandra literally was, like to a point where I was like, if we dropped a pin, will people show up there? <laughs> I'm curious. See, it's on the street. Yeah, you couldn't do it, but um, but, uh, I do want, like that to me was something that we both kind of, we, we all wanted to get into, both wanted to get into, but also I think we're surprised by, like we're kind of surprised by how engaged people became. It's interesting. I think that touches on another thing that I've thought about in terms of social media, which is like ownership, right? Like, that, like what you're talking about is sort of an ownership over, over someone when you, when you get, when you feel like you're, gra- you uniquely are grasping a sense of their narrative. And I've always thought of like, you know, you see like men I know publicly like photos of, you know, naked models and stuff and like things that they do publicly that I know that they would, you know, get in trouble for like, or whatever. And, or is a little, or a little problematic or weird. And you're like, what, what do you get out of liking a photo of that person, of that woman? And it feels like it is sort of a sense of ownership. Like I approve of this. I like this. There is something, uh, there is some grasp I have. Um, yeah, just interesting. It's something I think about a lot, a lot in terms of social media, because it's also, you know, like the whole like retweets are not endorsements thing. I mean, this is getting off another path, but I've seen, you know, people I know, sometimes I'll go to Ivanka Trump's Instagram and I'll see people I know follow her. Um, and it's just so interesting to me because that's capital <laughs> for her. Right. So like, what is that relationship when you don't approve of or agree with something, but you're engaging in some way on social media? Anyway, this is, I'm kind of going off on another tangent, but for me, it, it's, it's these questions about social media relationships and ownership and yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. I mean, I think that, um, you know, the, I don't, I don't know any influencers. Uh, I, I, I don't, honestly, that's the one aspect I'm not doing research on that. I don't care who the hottest <laughs> Instagram, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, we forgive I'm sure you. it's, it's fine that you don't know. Okay, thank you. Uh, cause I already <laughs> have my one it. favorite and, uh, <laughs> for the low, low price of $15,000, as- <laughs> we're going to be friends. Um, <laughs> right. just gotta get that ticket to wellness retreat. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Um, uh, I'm on the, uh, look, I'm going to buy that and I'm buying from, uh, that boho bitch. Um, oh, I mean, 
Look at that little, plug. That's a real See? plug, everyone. Holiday shopping. <laughs> right? Um, at that Soho bitch. I am good at this. Um, <laughs> you are. <laughs> you could be an influencer. Uh, no, I could not. Um, <laughs> nobody wants to follow uh, my life advice. Look, I will say this. If some company wants to give me $50,000 to pretend to drink their beverage, I will pretend to drink it all day long and then tell everyone how nasty it is. Um, So, yeah. Uh, And by the way, no one's going to buy it just because I told them a drink tasted good. But yeah, I've noticed that when like a an influencer or a celebrity or what have you likes something that they put like, oh, you're so great in this or whatever, and they like it and they go, oh, Mm. They liked my comment. Yeah. We're like friends now. We're, I mean, they know who I am. Um, so it is a little, I mean, I don't want to say sad because I know it's something that everybody does and all, you know, but it's an interesting uh, uh, turn of society. Let me just say that. Now, uh, speaking of interesting turns, she has uh, had a little bit of a breakdown. Uh, she's come through it uh, beautifully. <laughs> and so now she's going to spread that uh, knowledge to everyone else with, you know, yoga and meditation and blood baths, the things that you normally do at a wellness retreat, uh, self-flagellation. Um, <laughs> right. Of course. So I, I know, you know, but what can you tell us about where, cause there was a lot of people that thought, uh, the story was over mm-hmm. and now it turns out it's like, no, this <laughs> horror show is just starting. Uh, do we have plans for the future? Yes. but yes um i i kind of touching on what we were saying about this sense of like ownership and and people dming us we are going to venture you know i don't know if everyone saw that there's a link in cassandra's bio that brings you to a website and you can um insert your email and so we'll be probably using that to communicate with people now that we have people's emails. And so I'm trying to remain, I'm trying to think like I'm walking the thin line between like teasing, but not giving her too much away. But I will say probably a lot more like personal interaction. Like we want to kind of build off that feeling that people have like a special connection Mm -hmm. to. I don't mean to brag, but I've actually already gotten an email from. (laughs) Uh, Don't don't spoil it. That's just the beginning. uh, Well, I mean, it was just a little introduction thing and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I I feel like we're friends now. Um, So, you know, it's uh, it's pretty cool. I I love it. Uh, One more thing. She, a lot of what's cracking for her is the idea that she has to perform. Mm. Um, That uh, she's feeling this daily pressure of putting on a show for people, putting on an authentic show for people. You think there, and you're not psychologist, but do you think there's a little bit of that that's kind of damaging for the influencer maybe? I mean, obviously it's damaging for her. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do, something we were thinking about that week, you know, when we were, we were posting in um, August, all the posts, and we were constantly on our phones and constantly replying to people and commenting and workshopping the comments, then commenting them. We all sort of said to each other, like, wow, being an influencer, this is like a taste maybe of what being an influencer is like, which is feeling like you are um, obligated to engage with these commenters and sort of constantly perform your 
relationship with your followers and perform yourself is really exhausting and really emotionally taxing. So that's something that we were already thinking about. We, you know, we wrote the stories and the posts ahead of time. We had an arc ahead of time. But then actually when we were doing it, I think we realized like the weight of it and like, yeah, kind of being expected to perform your quote unquote self is really a huge endeavor. And also when are you off the clock? I mean, you're always yourself. That's interesting because most people, they go to work and they perform and they fake and they lie and they pretend to like the public or whatever. And then they come home and they can be themselves and influencers are constantly on the clock. Right. They're constantly on the clock. They uh, constantly have to be thinking what's the content. And not only, so it's not only just the content, it's also what if you post a post and it gets all these comments, you can't leave those comments like unacknowledged, you have to, you have to make those followers feel as though you care about them commenting, because if they don't feel that way, they're just going to leave. So really, truly, they are not really off the clock. They, they have to be constantly, um, being, they have to constantly be like, I'm here and I care and I'm listening and I'm engaging with you. Um, even though, uh, even though you won't, uh, tell me exactly what's happening, (laughs) I guess that means we're going to have to stick around, watch the stories, check out the posts and all of that stuff. And of course, uh, cash out our 401ks and uh, get a second mortgage on the house and go to wherever Zenith happens to be. Right. Exactly. I I mean, the thing to always remember is just keep an eye on Cassandra. Don't take your eyes off her. It'll come when you least expect it. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to take my eyes off the three of you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the incredibly bright futures you're going to have because this is uh this is amazing and hopefully it leads to uh more amazing things and a billion dollars from whoever was dumb enough to give it to Quibi. Uh, Thank you so much, right, right, folks. This episode was sponsored by Quibi. Uh, <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, thank you all so much. Thank you. I really appreciate you guys uh, educating us on who Cassandra is or would be and uh, the real world as well. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having us on. Thank you so much for engaging with um, Cassandra on this level. I really like mm-hmm. this. It's like what we dreamed of when we were just like... <laughs> making this up in August. So we really, really, really appreciate it. And that is our show. I'd like to thank our guests, the writer and director of Die, Influencers Die, Gary Arona, and the creators of the fictional Instagram influencer at Cassandra Klim, director Anna Miles, writer Chloe Cole, and actress Sabina Friedman Seats. And since our contact has changed since the last episode, just a reminder, we can be reached on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at GWE Contact or at Geek Wellness Education at gmail.com. This podcast will save the world. We'll be back with another episode very soon. And until then, remember, like any great franchise, your story isn't over yet.